Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy, and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC, and when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Karam. Tune in and enjoy. All right. Welcome, everyone, to episode 29 of Rowan Perant Method. So I'm doing an experiment today. This is another solo episode, so it'll just be me this afternoon or this evening. And I've got like this little round light and I've hooked my phone up to that to be able to do the live broadcast online at the same time as being live over the Radio Caram Network. So this is a bit of an experiment to see how it would work and it was a last minute thing. And I realized that all the notes that I have for episode 29, I think we're up to, for a hundred and something reasons why you feel like crap and you think your life sucks, were actually saved on my phone. So yeah, it made it pretty awkward. So I had a mad rush the last two minutes to write down about 30 or so. I think I actually am a bit short. I think I've written down 29. So let's see how long the episode goes for. So intro, you're listening to Rowan Perant Method. We talk about pretty much anything, all things that come into life. We look at relationships, we look at well-being, we look at performance, we look at lifestyle factors, stress management, emotional regulation, anything that's a part of the human experience. We have expert guests coming from all different fields. We've got some amazing guests coming up that I'm really excited about. And I've been pretty fortunate that I've thoroughly enjoyed every single episode that we've had so far. The guests are amazing. I learn every time I have one on. And I am going to do a recap of those episodes we have had in the past. So I'm going to be doing that very soon. Bring them on camera. No. Okay. So I'm just reading off my phone here. Again, this is a new experience. So with the theme for a hundred and something reasons why you feel like crap and you think your life sucks, we are going to start. I think we left off at 88 on episode two. So now we're going to be doing episode number 88, which is you choose instant gratification over delayed gratification. This is a really common theme that comes up a lot. Hey, Lauren, good to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. It's a really good thing to consider because in today's society, everything is so fast. If you want information, you have access to it on the internet immediately. If you want food delivered to your house, you can pretty much get anything delivered to you at any moment. Everything is at the touch of our fingertips. All you have to do is ask for it. So we expect instant results pretty much all the time with everything that we do. But when you really look at things that are worthwhile pursuing, any real dream that you would like to move forward towards, it takes time. So if someone came to you and said, you know, I've been to the gym for two days and I'm not shredded yet, what's happening? They have to trust in the process and they have to have a bit of faith and a bit of belief that will take time over a period of time being consistent and having some discipline to actually get the results they're looking for. That's why a lot of people pursue hacks to be able to achieve something which really will not replace hard work and consistency. Delay gratification is hard because you don't see results instantly. You're working towards something over a period of time and you really don't know what to expect. Let's use the gym as an example. You're going to the gym, you might want to lose some weight, maybe you want to gain some muscle, and you're going there and you're doing the work and you come home, you're all excited and you jump on the scales, but you weigh exactly the same. And you're wondering, is this really worth it? Is it, you know, am I getting what I'm looking for? And people give up. They get to that point where they might be committed for 20 days and, you know, they just don't get the results they expected because there's so many other aspects to look at and they give up. 
They don't realize that most people that are looking really fit, all those models and things that you look at on Instagram, first of all, most of them are enhanced. There's no doubt about it, most of them are enhanced. Most of them are genetically gifted as well, and they've had an extensive period of training in their life as well. They've been doing at the gym consistently over time to get those results. It's not as simple as just turning up for a week and expecting to get shredded. So I suggest that you consider exploring delayed gratification and working towards what you really want because it will take time, but it will 100% be worth it. But it is a process. And when you learn that that process works and you do get that success over a period of time, you can apply it in other areas. Number 89, you don't prioritize. We only have so many hours in the day and so much energy to throw at any one thing. You have to prioritize what you want to do. It's not possible to do everything. You can do everything, but you can't do everything at once to a high standard ongoing. You will just end up really subpar with everything. So prioritize. A lot of people, for example, say they want a high paying job, but they really want that money that they can provide for their family. Family is a priority, but they neglect their family in pursuit of money that they hope will actually benefit their family. If it's taking away from your main goal, which is priority, maybe it's your health, maybe it's family, whatever it is, you need to make that a priority and make your behavior reflect that. It's very important. So many times people get focused on one thing and it's really not what they want. It's not really in line with what they'd actually want out of life. So I suggest, have a think about it. It sort of moves into the next one, which will be number 90 as well. But what are your priorities? And then that'll sort of give you an indication of how you should be behaving and what things you should be pursuing and what opportunities you should be saying yes to. I'll say it again, you can do anything, but you can't do everything at once to a high standard ongoing. You have to prioritize how you're gonna spend your time and your energy. Number 90, you don't live by your values. This is a really interesting one because the first thing is most people don't even know what their values are. You ask them, they throw out buzzwords like freedom or happiness or well peace, just random buzzwords. It's a really common thing and I love calling people out on their buzzwords. It sounds really intelligent, but really they don't have any understanding in their own mind, let alone articulating it to someone else. So be wary of the people that hide behind buzzwords. But in terms of your values, it's one thing to know them, but it's another thing that, to actually live by them. So there's many times in my life, and I've been heavily involved in the health and fitness industry, where I was preaching health and fitness, but I really wasn't living in alignment with those values at many stages in my life. And I know so many people out there that are doing the same thing. They talk about a particular thing, or maybe they value family, but they prioritize their work. And they might justify the fact that it is to provide for their family, but their family really needs their presence. Maybe they value their health, but they do things like steroids or whatever else they might do to try and perceive, uh, improve their body image, sacrificing their health or even overtraining. Maybe they say, if you ask everyone, most people will say they value their health, but how many people are actually doing something about it? Not many. So not living by your values is a big issue. So I encourage you, we will actually do an episode in the future where we'll talk about how to identify what your values are, particularly the core values, the core needs that most people have. And how to choose your course of action to actually move towards them and live in alignment with those values. Because once you start doing that, amazing things really happen. It's, a, it's amazing how your life can literally transform in moments ongoing when you live in alignment with your values. A little bit different here, but number 91, you don't value sleep. Now, most people say, you know, I'll rest when I'm dead. They don't prioritize their sleep. So for anyone out there that wants to learn, if you want accelerated learning, if you're studying or you're in a, 
a job that you have to process lots of information, your memory is important, you actually don't build new, new, uh, new neural pathways until you actually sleep when you tap into the parasympathetic nervous system. If you're training at the gym or you're an athlete, you don't get bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful when you're training. That's the stimulation that causes the adaptation, but the adaptations actually happen when you sleep. Now, most people think, you know, I'm getting the seven to nine hours sleep at night, but I actually question this. I spoke with Chris Bunny, our sleep scientist that, that actually came on, can't remember which episode, about that number needing seven to nine hours. And that was actually based on a study in America where they took a population sample size and they pretty much just asked them, you know, how much sleep do you need to feel good? Now, the number was between seven and nine, but the majority of the people in that, at least 50% of them had undiagnosed sleep apnea. So the number is different for each person, but it depends on the quality of sleep that you're getting. Personally, I thought my sleep was pretty good until I did a sleep study through Home Sleep. If anyone's interested, through Chris Bunny, you can contact me and I'll give you the details. Anyway, I was remarkable. Uh, it was amazing to watch the actual study where it could say where I was sleeping, when I was about to dream. And he said, this is when you woke up. I'm like, is that when I went to the toilet? And he said, no, that's actually when you woke up, but you weren't aware of it. And then you fell back asleep. This is when you went to the toilet. So they can literally monitor everything just by looking at your brain activity when you're actually asleep. So I ended up jumping in and getting a CPAP machine. And I've always been pretty disciplined and, or not, not, I say not always, I'll rephrase that. There is periods where I'll dis, uh, be very disciplined and be very driven uh, towards a particular area. But I didn't know what I was missing out on until I got this CPAP machine. And I tried all sorts of things, magnesium, GABA, glycine, setting the circadian rhythm, morning exposure to sunlight, meditating in the night, breathing exercises, all sorts of things to prioritize sleep, cool room, everything you can ever imagine. And I did a lot of research, a lot of experimentation, even tried naps, all sorts of down regulation. But my whole world changed once I got a CPAP machine because I wasn't aware that I had sleep apnea. A little bit of snoring, but yeah, I'm getting up well before my alarm and I feel amazing. And I did a bit of an experiment the other week where I didn't use a sleep apnea machine, sorry, the CPAP machine. It was the worst sleep I've ever had. Well, that I thought I'd ever have based on my standard of normal sleep now. But in the past, I actually lived like that and operated with that kind of sleep. And I just accepted that quality of life. I'm never looking back now. I had a retreat that I went to on the weekend. And my first question was, do you have access to a PowerPoint for me to be able to use my CPAP machine? Because if not, I'm not going. I'm going to have to invest in a battery pack so that I can take it with me everywhere. So for those of you out there that are thinking I will give up on sleep, Again, to give you a little bit more of a context, some people say, you know, get up an hour earlier. If you're getting up an hour earlier to exercise, but you're not having quality sleep, you're not recovering from exercise. If you're not managing your stress, if you're trying to study and you're staying up late and cramming information and trying to learn and you're sacrificing sleep, you're not actually retaining the information. You're not building those neural pathways. You're not growing in any way. Sleep is so important. And to all those parents out there, with newborn babies that are missing out on sleep, there is something that you can do. I understand that you have a child that is dependent on you and that is waking up throughout the night and it can be challenging. Believe me, I've been there. But non-sleep deep rest, which is a form of downregulation, also known as yoga nidra, is one of the best ways to try and make up for lost sleep. You can either do it in the morning. It will never replace 100% real sleep, but it is the next best thing. And this has been proven... Time and time again, Yoga Nidra has been very popular, but Andrew Huberman has been talking about non-sleep deep rest for a long time. I've experimented with it. I've had a lot of my clients trialing it. It is exceptional. It does a great thing for you. So if you are lacking sleep, I really encourage you to pursue looking at non-sleep deep rest. 
Number 92, you are not present. How many times are people, you engage in a conversation and you're not really aware of what they're saying. You're not really following what is being said. You're thinking about something else. You're thinking about work, what you're going to have for lunch. You're at work and you think about other things. You come home and you can't switch off. You're talking to your partner. You're playing with your kids, but you're scrolling through your phone. You're not fixated on what you're actually doing in the present moment. And this robs you of a lot of joy. It really is a pandemic. And mindfulness is a great way for you to pursue that. So mindfulness brings you aware of the present moment. It may be the breath. It may be a mantra. It may be observing a flower. It might be being present when you're washing the dishes. There are many things that you can do to be more present in your life. So being present is important because how many things do we miss and how can you really appreciate things if you're just going through life on autopilot, not really smelling the roses, not listening to the birds, not observing the sights, the smells, the sensations? How often do you walk outside on the grass? Earthing is a great way to be present. There are so many positive benefits that happen to you when you are present. The quality of your relationships improve. The quality, your focused attention or whatever you're focused on doing deep work increases. Being present is vital. So I, we're probably going to do an episode in the future and a workshop talking about how to bring more presence into your life. If you want more information about that, feel free to message me. Number 93. You don't try new things. So many people have a fixed mindset, and this is a really popular thing that people are discussing quite a lot, which is the comparison between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. So many people feel, you know, this is the way I've always been. This is my strengths and weaknesses. This is where I'm at. And this is all I'll ever amount to. They feel that they are fixed. They feel that they can't improve, that they can't grow. That's just the way they are. And it's a very limiting place to be because it really means you're stuck with all the resources you have. And if you're not happy with them, it doesn't really allow you much wriggle room. You're sort of trapped. The opposite to that would be a growth mindset that you might not know how to do something now, but you can learn. Maybe you can't right now, but you can learn. So having that frame of mind and putting yourself out there to try new things, explore new horizons, get a little bit uncomfortable, learn a new skill and put yourself out there. I try and make that a habit as much as I possibly can. And if something makes me feel uncomfortable, most of the time I will pursue it. I will not let that have a hold over me. And some of those things have turned into my greatest strengths. Even this was really uncomfortable when I first started. Going live by myself, it was a little bit like, you know, what if I look like a dick? It made me really hesitate for a bit. But you know what? You just have to do it. And you learn from the actual doing, not philosophizing about it in your spare time. You actually have to have the application in the real world. So if you're always in your head and you're not thinking about new things, or sorry, let me rephrase that, you're out there actively trying new things, then you're not really going to get anywhere. You're all in your head. I read a quote recently. I will butcher it, but it was something along the line, I think it was from Todd Herman, saying that smart people aren't the most successful people. It's the doers that are the most successful people. That's the general gist of it. And it's so true. I'll tell you why. Because smart people don't do things unless they're 100% confident in what they're going to do because they don't want to risk looking stupid. And in that, they play it safe. But really, it's not a safe way to do it because they're stuck in their own little world. They're never taking a risk. They're never soaring to new heights. They might be exceptional at one thing, but they'll never explore other areas. They just stay in their zone. They're stuck there. That's where your dreams go to die. That's that limited mindset. You might be great at one thing, but what else would you like to do? 
Would you like to do helicopter flying? Would you like to? Me personally, I'm not very good at swimming, but I did a leadership program for a swim club recently with their coaches. I think it's a sign for me to take up swimming and get better at that and then one day do a triathlon or something. I'm going to be absolutely terrible at it, but I will get good if I keep going. And if I get instruction, it's a skill that I can learn. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Am I going to look like a Muppet? Absolutely. But it's something that I think that I should pursue. So try new things. Get into the habit of being okay with looking silly because everything that you can do right now at some point, most of them when you first tried them, you weren't so good at it. You probably sucked. You probably looked a little bit silly. That's okay. It comes with the territory of trying new things and you have to allow yourself the ability to do that because that's when if you're not afraid of that, you can literally do whatever you want. All it takes is the reps. You just have to do the work and you will learn the skill and eventually it'll become very good for you. Sorry, my handwriting's a little bit rushed because I had to write these down. Obviously, for those people tuning in now, I had my notes saved in my phone and I actually wrote them down on a piece of paper moments before we went live. So I'm just going back to look over this. You don't, it is number 94. You don't make time for fun. This is a good one because I'm a big advocate for the need for discipline, but you also need pleasure. You need to have fun. And when you combine discipline and pleasure together, then you have a lot of consistency. And that's when you really get growth that you can do long term. Because discipline is great to do things when you don't feel like it, but ideally you want to pursue things that actually you enjoy that you actually get a benefit out of, that you see that you're getting a return on investment for the time that you're putting into it. Pleasure is important. And you know what? Not everything has to be goal-orientated because I often fall into this trap where I honestly love most of the things that take up my time. I enjoy them all. Are they goal-orientated? Most of them because I am quite competitive. It's just something that's in my nature. Against myself, honestly, I want to always get better. But just making time to have fun and just relaxing looking at the sights, trying a new thing, which goes back to, you know, trying new things as well, but things that you remember that you enjoy. We've had a few guests coming on talking about mental health issues and encouraging people to remember what they loved in the past, what they enjoyed when they're a kid. Go back to those things, pursue it. It's a great thing for you to do, just being in the moment, being present again, but actually having fun and making time for it. You can't go, you know what, at the end of the year, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have this holiday and I'm going to drink a heaps of co- heaps of cocktails. I'm going to sit on the beach and that's going to be the, where I let my hair out, my hair out. And that's the moment that I'm going to have fun. You're meant to be having fun all year round. You really need to be pursuing that. Schedule in time, particularly with your kids, go out and kick the ball with them. Go for a walk, muck around with your partner, have a bit of banter. Have some fun, liven up a little bit. A lot of you are far too serious. And there's many times when I've been pursuing goals that I have been too serious and you can't see the forest for the trees. You're just hyper-focused. And don't get me wrong, there is a time and a place for that. But have a bit of fun, live a bit. Someone told me, Joey DeBacker, she was another guest. I think I got her last name right. I always butcher it. But she said, life is for enjoyment you're meant to live to enjoy yourself, not to dominate everything, something along those lines. And it really hit home with me. I think there's a time and a place for both. Next one. Number 95, you don't value your strengths. I can guarantee anyone out there that is really successful at what they do, they didn't become successful by focusing exclusively on what they can't do, focusing exclusively on their weaknesses. 
Generally, they learnt the goal, the game, they understood the rules, maybe they worked and dedicated some time to their weaknesses, but they really took their strengths and they turned it into a superpower. What came natural to them, what they were good at, what was instinctive, what just flowed for them, and they channeled it. And they can always find other people to make up members of the team or fill the void that they're not so good at. You can always find people that that's their strengths. But when you find out what your strengths are and you value them, and you pursue them and you turn them into superpowers, that's when you take things to a whole new level. It really is amazing when you look at people taking strength-based coaching, even with themselves, where you're looking at what comes natural to you and what you are really good at and what lives uh, wakes you up, what you love doing, and just channel that. So for anyone out there that has kids, you know, it's like trying to people are trying to smash a square peg into a round hole so many times. And it happens in our schooling system. It happens in workplaces. It happens in friendship circles where people are just trying to fit in. They just want to be normal. Everyone wants to be confined to what we consider normal. And maybe you get a child that isn't the best academically. Maybe they're excellent at music. And they become the next composer that literally has a legacy in the music industry. Or you get someone that's very creative in another way. Or someone that's very good with their hands and they can build things. Some people, don't get me wrong, are excellent at academics. Everyone has a strength. And I encourage you, if you have a kid... Don't put your map of the world on them about how they should be. Yes, you are the parent and yes, you are guiding them and there are things that they need to learn to be able to move through life with a bit of freedom and make good choices and that's your role to guide them. But encourage them to pursue what they actually love doing and what comes natural to them because it'll give them fulfillment, it'll give them enjoyment. It's their chance to leave a mark on the world. There were many times where I was told my strengths were bad, particularly in school because I wasn't confined to what school taught me told off for talking all the time. You know what? Now I get paid to talk to random people all the time. And I love doing it. And I'll never change that. And I could have gone, you know what? No, I'm going to be an accountant. By the way, I am absolutely horrible at admin work. Love my accountant. And I definitely need someone to help me out with admin if anyone out there is interested. But go with your strengths, the things that light you up, because that's where you're going to really leave your mark and have an impact. And you're going to feel really good when you do it. So not valuing your strengths is a problem. Number 96, you don't accept your flaws. There are so many people out there that will not accept that they have flaws. We all have flaws or perceive flaws. But to whose standard, I really question, because everyone out there, no one's perfect, and that's we're all imperfect in a way, and that's what's perfect about us. We all have flaws, whether they're physical flaws, intellectual flaws, maybe it's past experiences, whatever it may be, it's all a part of your story. And a lot of people are so afraid of those things that are different to other people because they don't look like that person in the magazine or they can't didn't get the same enter score as that person in school. They've got all these things and they're constantly comparing themselves to other people and they feel inadequate. They just don't feel at a, the right standard. They just don't feel complete. We all have flaws. It's what makes us unique. It's a part of that. I really encourage you to identify what they are. If they're fixable and they're a problem, by all means, fix them. But if you can't change them, particularly if it's the way that you look or a certain issue that is completely and utterly out of your control, you need to accept them because otherwise they'll continue to wear down on you. It's a constant problem and so many people just not embrace and accept their flaws. I really encourage you to do that. It is a hard thing to do, don't get me wrong. We all have them and we're all self-conscious about them. It's a part of life. And someone called me. I'm going to put that on silent. 
but yeah, accepting your flaws, you'll be a lot happier when you do that. Number 97. So this goes a little bit against what we were doing before. He was saying you do not value your strengths. This one is you don't work on your weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. It doesn't mean you have to turn that weakness into a superpower, but working on your weakness will round your game out, make you very well-rounded in many areas. I'm always looking for people that have, I identify what my weaknesses are and I try to find people that that is their strength because I can learn a lot from them and it will save me a lot of time through trial and error learning from them. Yes, there's a lot of people doing do-it-yourself jobs. You could find someone that is an expert in that field and if they're willing to give you the information, you can save yourself a lot of time. So working on your weaknesses is important. I encourage you to do that. Conversely, number 98, you work too much on your weaknesses, too much on your weaknesses. It is a big problem. So many people are fixated on their weaknesses to the point that they forget their strengths and they forget what comes natural to them and they forget what they really should be pursuing. They try and jam that a square peg into a round hole. It's not ideal. It is a suboptimal way for you to reach new heights. So focusing too much on your weaknesses gives that a sense of anxiety because you view yourself as a, from a place of lack because you're not perfect. You're not at a particular standard with something else that you know isn't a strength of yours. So yes, address your weaknesses, but ideally run with your strengths. Don't let your weaknesses hold you back. Number 99, you don't hold yourself accountable. You'll be surprised how many people come to me and say, you know what, man, can you hold me accountable? I really need you to hold me accountable. And it's really good to have an accountability buddy, whether it's a coach, whether it's a friend, a family member or something, hold yourself accountable. But why don't you hold yourself accountable? You know, raise the expectation that you have of yourself. Improve the relationship that you have with yourself. Actually stick to your word, the word that you made to yourself, your own goals, what you say you're going to do. A really good way to do this is if you set an alarm in the morning, get up at that time. Stop hitting the snooze button because every time you hit the snooze button, you're actually breaking a promise to yourself because the night before you had an intention that you were going to wake up at a particular time and you're just not doing it. You're snoozing. You're procrastinating before you're even up out of bed. And this is hard to do. Trust me, I was a chronic, chronic uh, procrastinator when it came to snoozing all the time, clinging to bed. CPAP machine certainly did help me with that, but with anything. Stop avoiding it. Stop procrastinating. Stick to your word. Hold yourself accountable. You don't need other people to hold you accountable. You need to be holding yourself accountable. You are in the driver's seat. Take the steering wheel. Don't let someone else do it. You need to be the captain of your ship. Number 100, you say no too much. Saying no too much. You know what? Everyone remembers that Jim Carrey movie, the Yes movie, where he always says yes to everything. It's actually a really good way to go. Obviously, provided you're not putting yourself in a position of harm or harming someone else. But saying yes to things. you Saying no all the time, just no, 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 no. It really doesn't take you many places. No is a very, it just stops things in its tracks. Obviously, if it's an issue that's against your consent, something that's uncomfortable, I'm not telling you to say yes. But start exploring where you can say yes instead of saying no. So, sorry, just I couldn't read my handwriting. Where can you say no? That is the real question. So where, where can you say yes instead of no? Because so many doors open up when you say yes and then you figure out how. There's been many opportunities that have come to me and I thought, I, I'm not ready for this over the years. And 
there's never really going to be a right time. You're never going to have all your ducks in a row. The stars aren't going to magically align. There's always going to be some reason not to do the thing. And a lot of people say no because they just don't feel ready. So really, when you actually say yes and then you figure out the how, doors start opening up. You start looking at the world of possibilities, of opportunities, of options. Your whole mindset changes. We talked on a previous episode about the reticular activating system, which is the filter in your brain that filters information that comes at you at any one time. When you're constantly saying no, you're finding more and more ways to say no. When you start saying yes, then you open up your mind to the possibilities. So you can ask, how can I do this instead of I can't do this? So explore the options, entertain the theory, entertain the possibilities of saying yes. I've said yes to many things, particularly lately. And every time I've said yes to opportunities in life that might have been a little bit scary, maybe they thought a little bit above my head, whenever I've said yes to them, it's led to amazing outcomes. And I do it as a superpower now. I always say yes, and then I figure out the how. If it's something that I want to do, say yes, just pursue it. Now, Alternate to that, maybe you say yes too much. Maybe you're a bit of a pleaser. That brings us into number 101, you say yes too much. There are many people out there saying yes when they really mean to say no. Perfect example of this would be at work where someone says, hey, can you stay back and do this? You really don't want to and you really shouldn't be for whatever reasons or people make you come to a particular event or be held accountable being held to a decision that you made that really doesn't serve you anymore and you really don't want to be pursuing that. It's not a death sentence. You're not locked in. You don't have to say yes to everything, okay? So yes, I'm encouraging you to explore the option of saying yes instead of always saying no, but I don't want you to say yes to things that really don't serve you or others or the greater good. So really consider where are you saying yes that you really should be saying no? It's a really good thing to consider because so many people out there are yes men or yes women. They just say yes, 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 yes. And they're always resentful. They're always miserable. They're always stressed. They're always running around like a headless chicken because they just say yes too much. So start exploring when is the right time to say no, when normally you would say yes. And you know what? You might get a bit of resistance. People might actually get a little bit shocked when you start saying no, particularly if they're used to you saying yes. So really consider that balance between number 100 and 101 when to say yes, when to say no. Number 102, you focus on what you can't do. This is a good one because I even fall in this trap many times in my life. Even recently, I was in this trap. And a lot of people I talk to that are perfectly capable of living amazing lives and exceeding all sorts of goals, but they focus on what they can't do. And the minute you tell someone they can't do something, they instinctively want to do it. It just comes with it. So focusing on what you can't do instead of what you can do keeps you stuck because there's always going to be things that you can't do. For example, I actually need a double hip replacement. So I haven't really been sharing that a lot. But I normally with everything going down, my instinct would be to train for a fight and be pursuing that. But I've had to take a step back from combat sports. Still training people, can't compete myself at the moment. But yeah, that double hip replacement, I was very stuck and I wasn't exercising at all you know, for months. And this has been happening since October last year. And I was stuck in this little trap. Like I can't do all the things that I would normally do, all my go-tos. The pain was so bad at one point that I couldn't even sit in a chair and meditate. So that was another one of my coping strategies was taken away from me and exercise has always been a stable part of my life and I really couldn't do that. So I started focusing on what I could do, what I did have the option to do and 
you know, I really enjoyed it. I started looking at other ways to be present. I looked at improving the qualities of my relationships, exploring other business ideas, getting into public speaking, being a paid speaker and exploring that, focusing on well-being. Even with COVID, a lot of you are aware of my Almost Boxing Legends Challenge and I really love that show and it will be coming back. I've got some exciting news about that. But I couldn't do it because we had lockdowns and I was stuck and I was like, I had a big business plan. I was going to franchise it. I was going to do all these things. And then all of a sudden I couldn't do it. I was stuck. So what did I do? I had a bit of a pity party for a while. I was trapped, couldn't run my shows. It was my main focus at that time. It was taken away from me. Like what so, happened to so many people during the pandemic. They lost their jobs. They lost their freedoms. They lost all these things and they focused on what they couldn't do. Instead, I started exploring what could I do? So I spent that time studying a lot of things. I started looking more in other areas that I was passionate about, like well-being and how I could make a plan to be able to survive when there was another pandemic or another lockdown. How could I bulletproof myself for a situation like that? <laughs> yes, David, excellent time to challenge me, mate. Yes, excellent time. But uh, to be funny, David, on that, you can ask Tony and Levi this. I found out I had the collapsing hip and then I had a scan on the Monday, on Monday morning, because I wanted to check the other hip. And I sparred with Tony for an hour and he couldn't hit me and he had a really bad time. And then I got the phone call the next day saying that my hip was fractured. So they're really concerned about that. And they called me and said, look, a normal person wouldn't be on crutches. Clearly, I'm not a normal person. And the day before that, I sparred with Levi for an hour. I didn't throw punches and he couldn't hit me either. So I can still move, David. <laughs> I can still throw around that I really shouldn't be. And then I'll set my partner on you because she would not be happy if I'm out there doing demonstrations. Where were we? So yeah, focusing what you can't do. I was trapped in that for a moment. And even now I'm exploring things that I can do for exercise that I can do. Yes, I can't be doing full contact combat sports right now, which is really frustrating, but there's plenty of things that I can do. And I've been loving exercising, focusing on things that you know I normally wouldn't make time for. And everyone's like, they're very time poor. Maybe they don't have the time to do this or the experience. Focus on what you can do instead. Next one, 103, you focus on what you don't have. This sort of works with gratitude. Gratitude is such a hot topic. It is such a vital component when it comes to prioritizing mental health and well-being. <laughs> uh, coming back to mental health and well-being. So you're a very funny man, David. But yeah, focusing on what you don't have. There's always going to be things that you don't have. And if you always need to have things to be happy and content, they can be taken away from you at any moment. You can lose a business. You can even lose a partner. You can lose so many things. But you need to appreciate what you have now because what you have now is probably the dream of someone else. And there's always that envy where you see other people, I want what he's got, I want what she's got. There's that feeling. It's really common in our society where people are always looking at the grass as always greener. Something someone said today, I forgot who it was, but yes, the grass is often greener. It's usually because they mow it and they appreciate it. But when you start appreciating your own grass and you mow your own grass and you tend to it and you water it and do all the things, you tend to get pretty good grass. So I encourage you, look after your own grass. This is something that came up today in conversation. But yeah, focusing on what you don't have, then you're in that place of lack it can be good to a degree where you're striving and it can be very good for goals and achievement if you combine that with discipline to actually move the needle in the right direction, but not when you're just having a bit of a pity party that you don't have all these things because there are significantly more people out there that probably would dream to have what you have. So be grateful for what you have. Focus on what you do have. Shift your mindset. Get that reticular activating system focusing on the things that you actually have and practicing gratitude.
Number 104, you're not good with change. So this is uh, something that I picked up, not the concept, but a little activity with David Hughes. David, if you're listening, this goes out to you. He actually said, and this is for everyone that's watching, fold your arms naturally how you'd fold them. So you fold your arms and that's just the natural way that you fold them. Then I encourage you, fold them the other way. Right on. All right. Yeah. It's really awkward to do the opposite thing when you have to fold your arms the other way. But change will happen to you or through you. This is another thing that David said, and I love the quote. But change is inevitable. We're always going to be faced with change. You can either initiate the change and make the changes, or life is going to throw changes at you anyway. You have to be able to overcome adversity. You have to be able to steer the ship, be the captain of your ship, take the steering wheel. You are the driver. So pursuing change and being okay with it. I was talking to my daughter about why animals become extinct and she was throwing out all these answers as yes, you know, they run out of food, they don't reproduce enough, they die, people kill them. Yes, all these things happen why animals go extinct. But one of the main things is they can't pivot. They can't adapt to change. They can't transition to a new environment or new demands that are being put on them. It is essential part of growth because the world is changing even now in the digital age. Most of the jobs that's going to be available in 10 years' time don't even exist now. They were just pipe dreams. They're just People are imagining them all the time. Who would have thought people would be making money doing videos on the internet? No one would have dreamed about that. So many of these things are happening, but people are adjusting, people are adapting. You can't put the brakes on and keep things the way they are. Yes, traditional values serve a time and a place, but the world is changing. We want to hold on to what was good about the past, but we have to accept the world is changing. You have to learn to adapt with that. You need to have some behavioral flexibility. So I encourage you, try and get better with change. Try and take some risks yourself. Try, where can you initiate change in your life in a small, safe way that you can adapt to it and you continue moving forward and have that behavioral flexibility? Number 105, you change too much. So this goes out to all the people out there. Yes, I'm going to piss off a lot of people in the fitness industry, pretty much in any coaching industry that are trying to stack the odds in people's favor where they can get that instant gratification. They're like, excellent, you want to lose weight? We're going to put you on an ultra low calorie diet. We're going to have you training at the gym six days per week. You're going to have to get up an hour earlier in the morning. You have to prepare all your food. You have to cut out all your favorite foods and all the things that you enjoy. You have to change all these things right now and you have to do it for the next 12 weeks and people do it and they're really motivated they're excited they make all these dramatic changes over a short period of time but they never really stick to it it just doesn't happen because it's too big a jump you have to set the standard low so that it's easy it's a little bit uncomfortable and you can tiptoe into the experience and add it into your everyday life and if you do that consistently over time, in a matter of weeks, you will have a completely different life and completely different results. And it will be far more easy to sustain long-term, which is the essential part of growth, long-term sustainable growth. So don't change too many things at once. Yeah, we get excited. And we're like, new year, new me. It's the reason why New Year's, Eve, uh, new Year's resolutions do not stick generally because people go too gung-ho and make too many changes at once and just wonder why they can't do it because it's unsustainable. You set the standard too high. Be a little bit gentle on yourself. Introduce things one at a time. Maybe take something away and add something in. See how that feels. 
Adapt to it a little bit, make it a part of your routine, get some, some, some consistency, and then continue moving forward. So yes, don't change too much at once. 106. People think they should be happy all the time. Do you know what? I said this a while ago. It was actually a really popular reel. I can't remember exactly what I said, but negative emotions are a part of the deal. Everyone thinks they have to be happy all the time. If you were happy all the time, particularly at times that you shouldn't be happy, that would be categorized as a disorder. There are perfectly good reasons to be unhappy. And you know what? Sometimes there's no good reason. You just don't feel at your best. Now, I'm not talking about people that are suffering from chronic depression or diagnosed depression where they just don't experience any enjoyment. I'm talking about the average person that might have a bit of a slump. But even with depression, sometimes there's a perfectly good reason. Maybe you have a health condition. Maybe you've lost a partner or a loved one. Maybe there's been another dramatic change. And maybe you're in a toxic work environment or something like that. You have every right to feel like crap. That's okay. I don't encourage you to stay in that state of mind because it isn't very empowering. It does serve a purpose like grief and any of those things. They're a part of the full spectrum of human emotions and you're meant to experience all of them. But you won't be happy all the time. Ideally, you want to stack the odds in your favor where you're having more positive emotions and negative emotions, but no one is happy all the time. You are going to get sad. You are going to get mad. You're going to have a little bit of anxiety. All of these things are going to happen and they are perfectly healthy until they're not. So just acknowledge that negative emotions actually serve a purpose and you are meant to experience them. They're a part of the human experience and they'll make you appreciate the positive emotions even more. So do not deny them. Do not try to numb them. Embrace them. Lean into them and learn to navigate your way through them. It is a part of being a human being. 107. Sorry, my handwriting is a bit hard to read. Number 107. You impose your map of the world on others. You might have a particular map that works for you, but the map is not the territory. My map is different to your map. I can give you your map. Uh, sorry, I can give you my map and I can give you directions, but it might not make any sense. And you know what? It might not take you where you want to go. I'm pretty good at guiding people based on what they want and based on my experience and what I've learned from other people and through coaching clients. But don't take what I say as gospel. This is my way. This is my belief system. I believe that it's a very holistic way of looking at things, but you might have a different map. But my question to you is, is it serving you? If it's serving you, there's no problem with it. Continue doing what you're doing. Ignore what anyone is saying as long as you are happy and fulfilled. But if it's not, maybe consider something else. But when you try to force your beliefs on another person, that just might not suit them. Your way is not the only way. You have to acknowledge that other people have different opinions. Acknowledging that everyone out there is entitled to their opinion and entitled to live their life the way they would like to, provided it's not hurting anyone else and ideally not hurting themselves. So give them that opportunity to make decisions and be in the driver's seat and pursue what they want to do and live in alignment with their values, which was another one that we talked about earlier. So don't impose your map of the world on other people. It is your map. It is not the territory. Number 108, you don't follow your instincts. How many times do you have a feeling about something, call it a gut instinct, call it your spirit guide, call it whatever you want. You just get this idea that something's going to happen. 
And I'm not talking about excessive worrying where you have that doomsday mentality and you're constantly in a state of panic where most of those things really don't happen, but you have an obsessive imagination. What I really mean is when you have an instinct to say yes or an instinct to say no. So many people's lives have been changed completely by either ignoring or listening to their instincts. So I encourage you, trust your instincts because they are pointing you in the right direction. You've got to back yourself. You have to have a bit of faith in your ability to navigate your way through life. You don't always need the answers from someone else. By all means, if you need some assistance, reach out to someone who's walked the same walk, understands the journey, or that is their livelihood. They'll be able to help you. But trust your own instincts. You are the decision maker of your life. You're writing your own owner's manual. You need to be the one in control and you need to be the hero of your own story, not someone else. Okay? So trust your instincts. Number 109, you don't contribute. So many people out there are unhappy because they're focusing on exclusively themselves, whether it's acquiring value, uh, acquiring possessions or their own needs. And I'm not telling you to ignore your own needs. Your needs are important because if you're not okay, everyone and everything that depends on you will suffer and they will not be okay. So your needs are important to meet. But we are really here to contribute, leave your mark on the world, leave the world a better place, help people where you can, give back to society. You can either make a career out of it or you can do it in a small way. You can volunteer at a soup kitchen, donate some clothes to the salvos, give a poor person some money when you see them busking. So many things that you can do to support other people, even contributing your ideas and your visions. I love talking to people about their journey and what's important to them and the lessons that they've learned. And I find that there's a lot of crossover between most things in life and you start to recognize patterns. So I genuinely am very curious when I meet a new person about what makes them tick and what they enjoy and where they've invested their time and energy. And with that information, it makes me grow as a person. So contributing, there's always someone out there that can benefit from your experience and your knowledge. And even in little ways, just offering directions to someone, donating some money to charity, volunteering somewhere, there's so many ways to contribute. And if you aren't feeling great about yourself, contributing and having a purpose and being a part of something is a really good feeling because it gives your life meaning more than just yourself. And I speak to so many men and women that are questioning, what's the point of all this? You know, they're just on the hamster wheel going through the motions and they're wondering, surely there's going to be more to life. I just don't feel happy. When you're giving back to others and you're a part of a bigger picture and you're part of a vision and you have a goal and a mission that you're working towards, it lights you up. It just gives you a whole new lease on life. Seeing that smile on people's face and knowing that you've had an impact and that you've helped in some small way makes you feel great. That's why so many people donate to charities. Yes, it's to help the cause, but also they feel good. You genuinely feel good from helping other people. So I encourage you to find ways to contribute because that will also help you build connections and have a meaningful and purposeful life. So find ways to contribute. Number 110, you don't think long-term. Now, I don't know if this is an age thing, but many times in my life, I did think short-term. This comes back to people focusing on instant gratification. They're thinking about what's going to impact them right now. They're not thinking about the long-term goal. They're not playing in decades. Yes, you need short-term goals, medium-term goals, long-term goals, but you need to think the big picture. Where are the decisions you're making now going to lead you to? Because they might be fine now, but it might not really take you to the place that you really want to be. So having a long-term vision... <coughs> 
is essential because you can use that as a bit of a moral compass for all the decisions that you take moving forward. Now, this is scary because I know when people are younger, people ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And people are like, oh my God, I have to make this decision. What am I going to be? Like, I have to commit to this for the rest of my life. It's okay to change your mind. My mind changes all the time. It's generally in line with the direction that I want to be going, but there's all different things that pop up and I don't know where it's going to be going in another six months time. I have no idea what I'll be doing. I'm sure it'll be something similar, but it's okay to change your mind. But I do have some long-term goals of where I would like to end up. So many people are not happy because life is just meaningless to them because there is no bigger picture. They're just going through the motions, trying to find some form of dopamine hit, scrolling through their phone, taking drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be. There's no bigger picture. They're not working towards something. We need to have some long-term goals because that impacts the decisions that we make now. Then it all has meaning. There's a time and a place for everything and it can help you make decisions about where you want to spend your time. So I encourage you, have a long-term goal and just remind you that you are not stuck with that long-term goal. It is okay to change your mind for whatever reason. Number 111. You can't work alone. So the lone wolf mentality that people think they need to be, they just feel like they have like they there is a time and a place to be a lone wolf. You don't need someone to hold your hand all the time. You need to be able to work independently, particularly if it's your goals. Regardless of anyone in your life, they're not gonna have they well, they shouldn't other than parents and their children, obviously, they should be their number one priority. But most people have got their own interests and their own uh, agenda in some way, shape or form. And I'm not saying that's a negative thing because they really should be prioritizing their needs. Even when you go to a doctor and you have a health condition, you're leaving it all in their hands. They've got thousands of patients they have to see. Yes, they want what's best for you. Are they 100% focused on your outcome? Absolutely not. There's too many people. And if they were that invested emotionally and everything else, they just would not be able to work in that industry, okay? You need to prioritize your need. You need to be able to work alone on things. You have to be able to work independently. You have to work relentlessly if you have a goal. You, the time, if you were training for a sport, the extra practice you're putting on the sideline to get you ahead, the extra study, pursuing new skills, doing uh, courses and things to make you better at your current job that all stack up and be missing pieces of the puzzle. You need to be able to work alone. On the flip side of that, Number 112, you can't work with others. I speak to a lot of people that are like, you know, I'm the lone wolf. And for me, many times I was a key decision maker. I was a lone wolf. I did what I wanted to do. I was very committed and very disciplined for pursuing what I thought, even if it was for the benefit of other people, I preferred to work alone. Collaboration is so important. It is such an important thing. And embracing diversity and people having different opinions, they're all missing pieces of the puzzle. <coughs> Sorry, I've had a lingering sickness. But collaboration and having that connection and having that rapport and having a team and working towards a common goal, it's an important part of human experience. It's an important part of well-being. We're meant to be in a tribe. Not necessarily every tribe needs to be your tribe. It's good that if you're around people that are aligned with your values and your purpose, walking, uh, working towards a common goal. But you need to be able to work with other people. This goes out to bosses that are always trying to micromanage or everyone's just competing all the time. You have to be able to work with people and collaborate. It is essential. 
Number 113, you can't make decisions. I've been in this position before. I think one of the worst things that happens is when my partner will ask me, what do you want for dinner? Most of the time I have absolutely no idea. And when I do have an idea, we don't have it in the house anyway. So making decisions and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to go this way. I don't know whether to go that way. Don't know what I want to eat. Start making decisions and back yourself. As I said before, it's okay to change your mind. But people go, oh, I need more time. Perfectly acceptable for you to take some time before you make a really big decision. But when I say take some time, I don't mean taking a year to make your decision. Life is moving by. The world keeps turning. If you believe that the world is a globe, just embrace the metaphor anyway. But you have to be able to make decisions in the moment. It's not a dress rehearsal in life, you know? It is real time. Things are happening in the moment. And you have to be able to make decisions at the drop of a hat. And you have to trust in your instincts and you have to stick by them. Unless you want to change your mind and you can. But make decisions. You know, you don't need someone else to make the decisions for you. I again remind you, you are in the driver's seat. You are steering the ship. You are the captain of your ship. So start making decisions all the time. Stop relying on someone else to do them for you. Number 114, this is similar to you can't work with others. Same, same, but different. But you don't look for your tribe. We're all meant to be in a tribe. Human beings are meant to be tribal in nature. It's gone throughout history. And you know what? Maybe you just haven't found them yet. Maybe you just haven't found the people that you click with and you're trying to jam yourself into a particular way of being to impress people and you really don't feel comfortable being that way. But you just want to fit in because you don't want to be alone. So you squash yourself and you destroy your uniqueness and you don't embrace your flaws and you don't express your opinion and you don't love yourself and put yourself out there and take risks and be seen and risk exposing yourself to criticism because you just have to pack yourself into a nice little tight box and fit in this particular tribe so that you're not alone. Because it's scary being alone for the people that aren't the lone wolves out there. But we'll get to that on another topic. But finding your tribe, attending things that you're interested in, people out there pursuing, like sporting clubs, for example. They come together for football, for example. They join a club and they get this whole new culture, community, friendships, boxing gyms, etc. It could be anything. Whatever you want to do, put yourself out there. If there's something you're interested in, attend it. Make new connections. Find people that have similar interests to you. Not just going to the pub every weekend. Yeah, been there, done that. So many people do that. That is their form of connection. It's probably not the best tribe for you. If you need to be drinking a lot of alcohol to be having a good time, you probably shouldn't be spending all your time with those people because there are plenty of ways that you could be spending your life that are more resourceful and better for your health. So find your tribe and if you haven't found them, keep looking, keep relentlessly pursuing new things. You just haven't found them yet, but they are out there. Everyone belongs to a tribe. And if you haven't found one, start your own. Put the feelers out there, invite people to it. Plenty of ways that you can do that. You can start a club of your own. I've known many people that have done that, all sorts of teams, all different coaching environments. Create your own tribe. People are starting Facebook groups now. You can get people collecting with a common interest. I know Steph Robertson has created a, I forgot the name, I really wish I knew it off the top of my head, but a neurodiversity group for people that are neurodivergent. It's amazing. Bringing all these people together that are neurodivergent. I know we've had Jason Rantle that was on 
episode 17 and a group session with Glenn Munzo on episode 27. And Glenn Munzo that was on episode 7 and 27, they created their own tribes. They thought, what does the world need? People that are overcoming addiction, people that have been struggling with addiction. What didn't they have when they were dealing with those things? And they created a community. And all these people that didn't have a tribe where they felt safe and embraced and accepted have now stepped into that community. It's growing. We've even got Jai as well, Jai Simpar. Down in Frankston, that was also a guest, can't remember which episode, he started the Cold Water Club, passionate about mental health, and he just started going down to the beach. I was doing the same thing, but you know what? He made a community. So many people doing it alone, but now people are meeting every day of the week, coming from all over the place to embrace cold water therapy together. So big props to you, Jai. Excellent work for doing that, creating a community. So if you haven't found your tribe yet, I encourage you, do the work and try and create one of your own because someone out there will benefit from that community. So yeah, embrace yourself and try and find like-minded people. Number 115. So we talked about this for in terms of not working with others or that you can't work alone. You stay a lone wolf. Every day, I... What was that, Chris? Every day with what? Was that in relation to cold water therapy or creating your tribe? Leave it in the comments. I'd love to unpack that, mate, and have a chat. Thank you for dropping in. So with the... Where I've lost track of where I was up to. You stay a lone wolf. So, so many people out there are lone wolves. And I can honestly say it is a great skill to have. Excellent, Chris. Uh, are you going to, I would love to know, I'll message you after this. I'm actually looking, getting a cold water plunge because I do my cold showers. Haven't been out to the bay for a while, but I really want to invest in a cold plunge. I've been seeing a lot of people using them. I just haven't committed yet. I think I'll get a little cheap one to see if I do it for a bit. Cold water exposure in the bay and regular, regular ice bars, man. I'm going to have to have a chat with you about that. I want to get a, either a chest freezer, seal it, or get a proper one done because I really don't want to be going to the server all the time getting ice, bags of ice all the time. It's a little bit muck around. So I want to find a convenient way to have ice plungers at home. But lovely to hear that you're doing the ice plungers, man, and thank you for choosing, uh, tuning in. So again, the lone wolves. What I've noticed with lone wolves, this will be the last one because I've just realized we that hour went really quick. Lone wolves have often been let down, okay? When they needed support, when they needed people to help them, they didn't get it. So they learned to be independent and they learned to do things on their own. But ultimately, I know that they really want a tribe, but they're fucking scared. And I don't blame them because when they needed help, they didn't get it. And you know what? They have very successful lives because they can work independently and they are driven because they knew that if they needed their needs to be met, they needed to do it. And so many people out there are very successful and they're like, no, lone wolf mentality. We are not meant to be lone wolves. Wolves are meant to be in a pack. We're meant to be a part of a tribe of like-minded people. And when you're collaborating with other people and working together, you can soar to new heights really quickly. So lone wolves out there, I relate to you. I completely get it. But you don't have to lone wolf it all the time. Okay? Yes, it's an important skill to have. And it is a great key to success to be able to work alone. But you need to learn to trust and allow other people to come in and back to forming that tribe, making that pack and working with people. Guys, we are out of time. We got through to 115. So how many was that? I think we did. 
from 88 to 115. We still have plenty more to go. These aren't in any particular order. This is just me having that random time when I was going to do a solo episode and pulled over on the side of the road and wrote a bunch of things down, saved in my phone. So people seem to be enjoying them. Tune into the other episodes that we had. And I think about another 50 and I'm sure more will come to mind, but I am going to be doing a solo episode every month on different topics. We are going to talk about masculinity in a, probably a month or so, a very important topic to me, challenging the definition of masculinity. And no, I'm not talking about pronouns. I'm talking about the responsibility a man has in relation to the impact that they're having on the world and other people. It's a big responsibility and what the definition of being a man really means to me personally and to other people and challenging that. And where did we learn our own definition? So tune in for that, guys. Next week, Ron Pratt Method. I think we have Eliza, who is a sexual well-being coach. She's going to be on. I'm going to be talking about all things sexual well-being and sexual health. Very much looking forward to that episode. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Have a great night. Hello, I'm Con. And I'm Stav. And, and we're we Eddie Nucky. You're listening to Radio Karam. Don't worry about a thing. Because Atticus Health will make you feel alright. Don't worry about a thing. Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright If you got a tummy ache Or you don't feel right Or if you have a nasty rash Keeping you up at night Don't worry About a thing Don't worry Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright